This is the one and only Heavy Hole Podcast. I am your host, Big Will, a.k.a. Uncle Buck. Joining me, my co-host, Dave Gladding, is back. How you doing, Dave? Doing cold. How are you? <laughs> it's fucking freezing out. Yeah. I don't know. Sorry, I didn't know how to say that, but yeah, yeah no, it's it's like it's as the as they like to say in New York City, it's brick. Yeah, it's it is mad brick out. It is you were you're allowed to say that if you if you're not from New York, if it's this cold out, it's crazy, man. I I um I've listened to every immortal album. Uh and it's still cold. I don't know what to do. I'm out of options. <laughs> maybe maybe listen to them again, listen in a different order. Maybe that'll like unlock the warmer weather. Yeah, I I don't know. So usually by the time I I <laughs> usually by the time I get to the um uh, uh, the new school era. Um, the the blizzard is over, man. But the the wind, the penetrating wind and cold here, man, it's got me in a little bit of a black metal mode. I've been listening to some Bathory too. Do you do you do Bathory? Do do you do the old school stuff? Uh, you know, every so often I'll get in like a Bathory mode where I'll listen to. There's a couple albums that I like, and I can't think of which ones they are besides like the first one. But I'm not. I do not consider myself like a uh, an expert on Bathory. Cause you got the beard and the glasses for it. You're like that. You, you got that metalhead look of like only, only Bathory. Anything with guttural vocals is a turnoff. There's a certain breed. Yeah, no. Shows- I, I, sometimes I think like I, I don't. There's a lot of those like seminal, like really influential earlier bands that I just like. They just go over my head. Like I just missed the boat on them. Yeah, that's. I've talked about you know that anything. From that '80s era, from the th- and then and then later on, from like the thrash turning into death metal era, went right over my head as a teenager in high school. I just wanted the brutal stuff. I wanted hate breed with guttural vocals. That's all. I at age 17, that was like the my musical acumen. You know what I mean? Yeah, I kind of jumped from like, you know, Pantera to like Broken Hope, Internal Bleeding, Cannibal Corpse. Yeah, and that's... then like years later is when I started list, like trying to listen to like Celtic Frost and Bathory and and shit like that. It's like it's it's all good, but it just doesn't hit the same when like you've heard all the bands that they've influenced already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh yeah, I know what you mean, man. It's it's, it's trying to navigate that that uh the, the where is it going? Where is it where has it been of metal? That's what it's all about here on Heavy Hole Podcast. That's what we do, man. Um and we have uh, I feel like we procured some really good recommendations um, yeah. for later on this evening. Um, through, uh, through, through trial and error. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll leave it there. We'll leave it there, all right, man? Sometimes you go on that Metal Archives and you go, I don't know if I want to recommend all that. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that one. We'll leave it yeah, there. You should, a word to the, to the listeners, just look at the song titles before yeah. you start uh, yeah, you know, recommending bands to people. Bing box, yeah. <laughs> Telling your coworker at work what gore grind bands you love can get can yeah. that that could be perilous. Um, you never know, or you might make the wrong kind of friend. Maybe they know the lyrics better than you. <laughs> I'm, I'm always really worried when I start when people start saying that they're like they like carnivore, and I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, boy. why do you like carnivore? <laughs> like, uh, you, yeah, are, are you like a white power guy, or do you just think do you like get the subtle humor there yeah there's a thing things got things got real weird for a lot of metal the last the last several years man yeah um uh, yeah especially you know i'm i'm kind of kind of glad i'm like on the like the the dumb death metal spectrum of things for the most part the guttural death metal thing because the the black metal territory got real dodgy real sketchy yeah yeah real weird there's Um, everyone's yeah everyone's either 
they're racist or they're like a sex offender or yeah they're all, whatever they're on NPR for the wrong reasons I, I know that <laughs> come on <laughs> you should be you should be on a metal podcast not on the damn NPR bro come on slow down yeah. um all right enough of that enough of that man listen speaking about good old death metal uh tonight we're going to talk to a young man from a band giving um uh, a classic tried and true style of death metal a bright modern twist. Let's talk to Grotesqueries out of Boston, Massachusetts. Said it with my best moment. Check, check, check. This is Big Will from the Heavy Hole Podcast, and I'm here with Yanni Tranxidis of Grotesqueries. Welcome to the podcast, Yanni. Thank you for having me, Will. Did I get your name correctly? Yes, you did. Thank oh, you so much. Oh, okay, respectfully. Yeah, I always want to ask <laughs> that. Um, yeah. uh, Yanni, thank you, for, uh, no, thank you for your time, and thank you for reaching out. Yanni, you are the drummer of Grotesqueries, but it also comes up in the, in the notes that you're also the, the main songwriter. Correct. Yeah. So I play drums for the band in recordings and live, but behind the scenes, I write all the music and lyrics, placement for the lyrics. Um, the only thing I do not write are the guitar solos. Um, essentially, I leave those up to the two guitar players that are in the band currently at the time, uh, Connor Thompson and Sam Kirsch. Okay, that's interesting, man. Um, I I wanted to get that right off the bat as we kind of give you the uh, the introductory treatment. But um, uh, I know you're familiar with the podcast, so you know where I'm going to go. Are you from a musical family? Was there anyone in your upbringing that steered you towards this type of music or hard rock and metal in general, um, and and that sort of thing? So uh, not really. I mean, I have an uncle that's a musician, but he's known for playing Greek music. Um, so because all of my family is Greek from both sides. So he does that, but he does that overseas. But my brother uh, played uh, guitar growing up and he picked that up before I got into drums. And that kind of like inspired me to get into it. So I was like, oh, let me try picking up a guitar. And I was like, oh, this seems a little difficult. Let me try something else. So I got into drums. But cello is actually my first instrument. But I obviously got sick of that pretty quickly and got into something more fun. <laughs> okay. So when uh, around what age is cello? Uh, cello was like elementary school, like fourth and fifth grade. And then sixth grade, I started playing drums. Was that, did you retain any of that, like, you know, preliminary cello training at all? Like what, you know, later on or, or when you, yeah. When... So it, it's, it's really interesting. So, um, cello, um, was really fun and I played a lot in orchestra for what, like seven years, uh, in middle school and high school. And that was a lot of fun. And then I translated that to playing bass because, I like I said earlier, I picked up the guitar. I was like, uh, I, I honestly, I'm not even kidding. I was like, these strings are really close. I don't have the dexterity <laughs> for this. I'm not even going to try this. But I picked up a bass and I was like, four strings, thicker, more spread apart. I can get this down. So I picked, I got a bass and I just started, you know, picking it up and pl putting it down and on and off. And I just started, you know, getting more into it and just start like writing riffs. But like, I would have terrible memory. So I would just like constantly, you know, keep it like, out out of like on the back burner while i was learning drums but 
playing cello and just keeping up with that over time got me into just like inspired to play bass. And actually that's how I write the music because I don't actually write the music with the guitar. I actually write it all on bass. Okay. So that, that plays right into everything you're doing now with grotesqueries then. Correct. Yeah. It all translates to that. And I'm really glad that I stuck with it despite the fact that I was like really trying to be a better drummer. And that was kind of like my initial plan this whole time was, to get really good at drums but then i was like well i really would like to get more into songwriting and during the pandemic i kind of capitalized on that time um with everything that happened so i just was writing non-stop but i've had riffs in the past from like 2014 2015 and i just kept in my back pocket and i was like okay i'm just gonna i'm just gonna do this one day and then one day i was like all right i got it so i just got my my riffs in order and i just kept going with it okay so having always had that skill set did you ever feel frustrated in your past bands where other people were writing the majority of the music um i mean i was kind of like just go with the flow at the time i mean with uh, my first metal band like serious metal band black mass the opportunity was there um i just didn't do anything up until like later on but that's like closer to when i left but i did have the opportunities i just didn't really capitalize on it with um, other bands, I didn't really have as much, but again, I just was like having fun and just more enjoying it. So I, I had more opportunities in some places and others not so much, but I, at the same time, I was just like, let me just play drums <laughs> at that point. Okay, so let's let's backtrack a little bit. We know that your older brother mm-hmm. plays guitar, you get into the drums. Where do things take a turn for the more subversive form of music and the more um, heavy type of music, whatever that is for you guys at a young age? Um, I mean, I got into like, obviously all the classic stuff when I was like 15, 16. And then I just progressed into like discovering my own bands that I just got heavily passionate about through obviously the internet and just talking to people where to mouth going to shows. So it just definitely started to progress like in college. And I was just like going on YouTube, looking up different stuff and just finding out like what bands, other bands that I liked listen to. And just like looking at the linear notes, just doing it like everyone else did, basically, and just like finding out more extreme bands that were pushing the envelope and just kind of like making something more interesting on top of what's already cool and what's already been like doing really well. Okay, got it. And um, uh, you said your first band was Black Mass, a band that, to, to, to my knowledge, according to the notes, they're still around. You did uh, one uh, recording with them, The Second Coming, right? Correct. Yep, that is correct. Yeah, back in 2012. And they are still active today, yep. Okay, and then, um, uh, you know, Metal Archives, our our source doesn't really see you popping up again um, until 2019 with Garroted, who some of our listeners might be familiar with. Do you want to fill in the blanks there um, in terms terms of your music? For a brief moment, I was also in, like, a doom band called Razumov, but that was only for, like, six months. We played, like, seven shows. That was cool, but it wasn't really a long-lasting thing. Didn't play on any recordings. But that was kind of like the only other thing that I had going on that was in between. Had some potential, but it kind of just like faded away and just didn't work out. You know, it happened, but it was a fun time while it lasted. Um, But Garotted was definitely the next serious thing in like 2018, 2019. For like two-ish years, I was in that band. And that was cool because I got to play, excuse me, sorry, on two releases. One was a re-recording of old material. Um, at a studio that was all analog, which was a great experience that I was at Mystic Valley Studio. Huh. And then we did um, 
uh, two new songs on a split with another band, Calcemia from California. And that was awesome. Those are two brand new songs. And I got to write my own drum parts for that fully front to back. Uh, were you in the band? I, I, this may have been before your time in the band. Did you play Shakers in East Long Island? No, uh, um, I've been there okay. for a show. Uh, back in 2018, I saw Malignancy Afterbirth, Cognitive, um, and a few other <laughs> bands. Great, great show. But I, I did not play that show with Gerard at the time. I booked that show, that Cognitive uh, Afterbirth. Uh, cog- the reason Cognitive played when they did, their their uh, van at yeah, the time broke down. the van, yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Okay, man. Yeah, and Garotted, Garotted had played at Shakers at another show I booked. I'm the, I don't really book shows, but I I kind of like when when people um, need someone to kind of be the point man from out of state. Every once in a while, I'll do that and lose a couple of bucks along the way. But yeah. um, uh, but yes, yeah, that's funny, man. Uh, so. So Garotted, uh, you do have some some material recorded with them. Ultimately, though, um, you know, I, I I think we're here to talk about Grotesqueries. Um, a band that, as you said at the top of the interview, is very much your creation. Quickly, though, working with Garotted, that was a band that was fairly established in terms of the underground scene uh, when when you joined them. Did you do much touring and traveling with them? Uh, yeah, unfortunately not. Um, <laughs> I wish we did and we were planning on it, but unfortunately it didn't pan out. Um, but we did play a lot of shows, which is fun. However, we didn't really get out of like New England aside from like New York. Um, you know, we played with Mortuary at Lucky 13, which was cool. That okay. was a good time. But uh, aside from that, you know, we, we had some good shows and good times, but we unfortunately never got to do any touring, which is unfortunate because the music was a, a lot of fun to play. No, good band. Um, I still have the uh, one of the releases from, from prior to when you joined, the what was the, the OTEP, the something of uh, uh, now I can yeah, yeah. In the Court of Nolikothet? Yeah, 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 yeah. One of those. Dude, EP- yeah, that, that EP is amazing. Um, the writing is really good. Um, it's definitely like a testament to like the old guard and like it just it's just an all around great recording. A band, um, and yeah. I'm sure you know, but the you know, Ray and Jerry are an ancient death and that band's also doing really well. So good on them for continuing on ancient death. I actually, I, I'm writing that down. Cause I, um, I can't keep track of everything, man. That's good to oh, know. No, of course. No worries. Um, but so, uh, all right. So then, 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 you know, around that time period, um, the ending of your time with garroted and, and that, that kind of seems to lead naturally into grotesqueries, um, this seems like a band where you're finally maybe in a sense taking charge, uh, and, 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 and maybe seeing your vision through, um, as opposed to just playing drums in a band where other people write material, which is fine. That's how other people work. Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, like, you know, it's awesome to be in a band where I can just play drums and, you know, have fun doing that and just be like, all right, I'm just going to kick back and relax. But this was a a goal that I had when I started. I was like, okay, what are my expectations? What are my desires in this thing? I'm doing this all. Okay, this is what I want. Okay, so I'm going to roll with it and just write everything, you know, finance everything, manage everything, book everything. And I'm happy doing it and I love doing it. So it's it's been a fun time and it's something I really kind of wanted. Because um, again, like during the pandemic, it was just like I had to kind of make a decision. of like, what do I want to do? at this point um you know do i want to do something in the long term and just kind of give it a really good shot so i wanted to just give it a you know a serious try 
Yeah, I, to be honest with you, I can relate, and I know a lot of people who who can relate. There, I think there comes a time for certain people, uh, for certain musicians in the scene. Everyone's got a different approach, but where you kind of you have a vision that you want to achieve, and um, you, you've you've maybe been through a few bands. And uh, you, you, I don't know. It's it's hard to say because I don't want to say it's not as if it's disrespectful to prior bandmates and prior bands, but it's almost like you want to you want to cut the crap and cut the chase and get down to business your way with what you've learned. Kind, of, you know what I mean? There's there's a certain there's a certain element of being in a band that's democratic, but then there's other bands where you know somebody is kind of running the the the, the show from behind the scenes in terms of the composition and songwriting. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And again, it's all about, you know, c- communication and honesty. And, you know, if you approach your friends or who you want to work with and say, hey, this is what I want to do. Are you cool with it? But here's like all the things that you you know don't have to worry about, don't have to deal with. But here's the things that I'm kind of like hoping for and ex- expectate, uh, expecting. Are you cool with that? And then either they're down or they're not. And it's OK if they're not. But like as long as you're being upfront and honest. There's no harm in just being honest about how you really want to approach it and how you want to handle it. Um, but it can be fun and it can be, you know, collaborative and a good time and something that everyone can really benefit from, just, you know, in many ways. So, yeah, no, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. So with that in mind, mm-hmm. take take us through uh, recruiting the members that you yeah. en- that you end up uh, having in grotesqueries and and writing um, haunted mausoleum, uh, your, which yeah. that was your first so, release. So yeah, so I had actually I had ten songs written originally, and I, th- it was basically the first two releases that are out now, haunted mausoleum and vile crematory, and I wasn't sure how to like get it organized, so I was like, okay, I have to figure out the like track listing and where I want what and how I want to start it and what I want to focus on putting out first. But at the time I needed to um, transcribe it and get it more translated on the guitar. So I recruited my um, friend, Brendan O'Hare from black mass to help me do that, who ended up recording the guitar on the EP and the full length. And then I got John Rainis from Gog at the time and to play bass as well and then i recruited mike um, bonomo from morgue and he was also in matrifugy to do vocals and basically again all my friends from bands from the scene that i met through time throughout the years and basically just was like hey you know do you guys want to be a part of this and you know we'll get to play shows and do this and here's you know what i want to do and here's like kind of like what i want to like i'm kind of hoping for and we kind of just rolled with it um recorded it at new alliance studio in the ep and uh shopped it around um and as you know it's um now in caligari and a label that i've always really enjoyed uh the bands on so i'm really stoked with how it turned out yeah caligari records for the list for any listeners who don't realize is a label that the last few years uh has been putting out a lot of quality death metal if you're looking for um uh some of the some of the death metal that's that's kind of uh I want to say in the tradition of the old school bands but Caligari has a wide range of bands but they're definitely um uh this this wave of death metal that's out nowadays uh Caligari Records is definitely one of the underground labels that's kind of got their their fingers on the pulse of of some of the more choice cuts out there um that being said you guys quickly did record uh Vile Crematory 
um, which is the album on Caligari Records. Be- before we get into that, between the the first EP and the album, did you guys end up playing shows and, and traveling at all? Uh, so we recorded the EP and we put it out, what was it, August 11th of last year. And then we played our first show September at Ralph's and um, Worcester. And that was pretty much our only show of 2022. And then we were kind of just like gearing up for the next year and getting ready for shows that I was booking and other shows and tour and all that. But uh, yeah, we only played one show in 2022 and just put out the uh, record. Okay. And I see... Um, we'll get into your, you have some big plans coming for 2024 and we'll definitely get into that after we discuss the album. Um, but you guys did end up playing a lot of really cool shows this year, at least I see. Um, oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I'm very, very pleased with this year and how everything turned out. Yeah. I mean, um, right off the bat, I could see that you guys got to, uh, uh, got to play support for, um, Ulcerate and, oh yeah. That was a great show. Uh, yeah, Hyperdancha, um, uh, Morbific. That, yeah, and and uh, what's that band? Snet, right? Yeah, that band's sick. Fil- like, just filthy old-school death metal. Uh, really good. Um, I love that name, too. That name is so, like, just simple and just, like, like very unique. Yeah, you guys definitely got on some some um, cool gigs. Tell me about getting out to um, uh, the United Kingdom. Yeah, so, like, I've never been, and I've always wanted to go, let alone play it, but I was like, you know what, let me try to see if I can find something that's, you know, feasible, that may work for something that I can book really far down the line, that I can just get a really quick thing, and see if I can just, like, get a few shows, and I noticed that Necropolis Fest does their thing in London every year, and they just did their first one, Volume 1, which was sick. Um, I know Undergang was on that and a bunch of other sick bands. Um, and I was like reaching out and I was like, hey, you know, I was wondering if you can like help with like a show in London. I'm trying to like book like a, just a few shows. And he's like, hey, actually, we're doing Necropolis Volume 2 in London and uh, around like Memorial Day of 2024. Like we can put you on because we're just starting to like get bands. So I was like timing wise, it was great. It was perfect. And then he mentioned like the other bands and I was like, oh, sick. This is like this is awesome. What a great way to start. And then I just started realistically looking at a route for other venues and other places and kind of like spreading it out and just kind of making it like a travel slash like little run. So we get to travel, see the sites in between the cities and then also just play a few shows. Um, So we're going to do London, Nottingham, Newcastle, and then dip into Scotland and play Glasgow as well. Um, Really stoked for that. Yeah, I have it right here. People should obviously follow you on social media, but for the listeners, because we do a shout to our listeners in uh, Scotland and in um, uh, uh, England and all over the United Kingdom. Um, it oh you guys oh you guys did it the uh, the European way on too. Um, uh, the way you put the dates. So we're talking May. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you screwed me up for a minute there. May, <laughs> May the twenty fifth, you're, uh, you're going to be in London. May the twenty sixth, yep. you're going to be in Nottingham. Uh, May the 29th, you're going to be in Newcastle, and May the 31st, you're going to be in Glasgow. Um, yeah. Yeah, so shout out to all of our listeners and pre- and past guests from that area. Um, go out and, sh- and check out those shows, man. That's awesome. Um, Thank you. Yeah, I'm really stoked. Um, I Again, I'm just really stoked to go back 
in play. Um, I did Europe with Black Mass in 2013, and that was incredible. I mean, I did three countries in 10 days. So, like, I just, like, had to do something back in Europe. I was, you know, again, even if it, if it was just a few shows, like, it's worth it, you know? Interesting. So you went to, uh, you, you were, how old were you back then? <laughs> I was, like, 22, 23. Okay, all right. That's not crazy. But still, um, that's pretty early on in your, your underground metal career to, to go over and play some European shows. Yeah, I mean, when we started Black Mass, I mean, they still are. But, like, we were hungry to just play and we saw an opportunity where we were able to play tour with other bands. It was just like a cool little operation and it just worked out and it was a great time and we had a blast and it was just like a great way to like kind of motivate us to really be like, yeah, we can do this. You know what I mean? Like, of course we can do this, you know? So um, it was definitely a, a good way to like, you know, inspire us. Yeah, man. And um, I want to uh, I want to segue a little bit into the recording of the album because I have a few questions, but there's some, like I said, you guys have an exciting live year planned in 2024 and we'll talk about all that stuff in a few minutes um mm -hmm. for the listeners and again we're going to remind our listeners in the uk to check out for those uk dates but um vile crematory your album that, that that's out now uh fairly recently on caligari records um the first thing well before before i get into this the musically let's talk about grotesqueries musically for a minute i don't want to box you in i think there's obviously a nod to the classic swedish style of death metal there uh if that's fair to say yeah no definitely i mean i love the swedish death metal bands Entomb, dismember i mean all over the place as well you know at the gates and all that but i mean definitely that old school you know raw filthy death metal for sure yeah there's definitely a um like a a, a big uh that, that plays a big part in grotesqueries what i like is the vocals seem more americanized more update more modernized i want to say in a good way they're more brutal than maybe those bands used to use on, on, on a lot of those old recordings um and i, I notice every once in a while too i think i catch you guys uh, you know, getting treading lightly into the brutal territory, if that makes sense. You know, it's not a hundred, it's not all Swedish tribute death metal. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I am a big fan of, you know, you know, keeping it progressive and also just really pushing the envelope with, you know, writing and compositioning and all that. Um, and, uh, I, I'm a big fan of a lot of different bands. Uh, I love like Sinister, um, uh, Massacre as well. Uh, both are like big influences. Obviously, like, you know, Morbid Angel and all that stuff too, but just kind of like going all over the place with bands. Um, you know, uh, Erosion of Sanity, Gorgas is like a huge record as well. Like, again, oh, just like yeah. daring, really just, you know, technical stuff and stuff that's like really getting me to like push my writing as well. So with with now talking about um, the recording process, as I just said, I don't want to pigeonhole you there, but there's a big Swedish thing going on in, in the songwriting. Can you speak a little bit to what you guys used for guitar tones? Uh, yeah. So for Haunted Mausoleum, we had a like a Fender Squire and it had like an interesting set of pickups. I believe they were humbuckers, but I could be wrong. I'm not honestly the best at remembering this part mm -hmm. of it but for the ep we mostly used that guitar and i believe another one that I, again i don't remember but for the full length we double tracked both guitars 
And on the full length, we actually had Connor Thompson step in for that one. Um, so he is he was he joined the fold for that and uh, currently. So oh. he was also playing his, and he has uh, a few different guitars. He had like a Dean Lefty, and then uh, Brendan at the time also had a, just got like a BC Rich Mockingbird type guitar, which sounded awesome. But he still also had that Fender Squire type guitar. But it had this like really unique tone to it, and we really enjoyed it because again, it had like this like really like twangy, but also just like again, just like super unique and defined tone that mixed in well with the recording and combined with Connor's guitar tones. It just like really set the tone for everything in just like a very old school death metal way, but also keeping it you know that modern because we do get that a lot. We do get people saying like it's very modern, but in a in a good way and also like a good mix of old and new and not really like doing one more than the other yeah um and that's that, that's what i was gonna say is the guitar tone um i you know i have bandmates and bands that i've been in where people have used the hm2 pedals i'm not i'm not saying people shouldn't use that or anything i just it does get a little overdone sometimes now it seems like to be its own subculture now in a, in a way yeah, you yeah. Know. i mean it's it's a great pedal but it's a you know it's that one trick pony that we all know and love and you know everyone's using it so it's you know it's you're gonna hear it instantly and be like you know that's cool but like you know it is you know it is what it is but i mean it's cool like when bands <laughs> do their own thing but at the same time it's like if that's what people want to do like that's cool like you know they'll still write sick riffs behind that pedal and it'll still be fun to listen to, but if that's the approach that they want to go with, you know, then that's you know, you can't hold it against them. It's a, it's still a great pedal and all that. It still sounds pretty fun. It's just you know, <laughs> it's not the pedal's fault that it became kind of a meme. Um, oh yeah, and it's and it's also its own genre. So it's like I can you know I I can't knock it. You know, there's there's plenty of people doing that, and I you know. Uh, it's like you said, it's 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 good in its own right. I think it's just kind of like what it maybe it's got a little overhyped or overdone somehow. I don't want to make this a whole HM2 knock session because my whole point I was trying to get around to was that I like that you guys kind of created your own wall of sound. Um, so I'm hearing some of those traditional style riffs, but uh, with a different take on the, the the kind of dirty wall of sound guitar tone. Yeah, I basically was like, you know, whatever people come in with is kind of what I'm okay with because I'd rather just kind of like let it big, like flow naturally and figure itself out. Um, I really didn't want to get too hung up on getting certain equipment, but if we can dial it in in the studio a certain way, then that would honestly be good enough for me because it ended up, again, I'm like, I trusted the engineers and I trusted everyone. And it, again, of course, it worked out because you know, again, it was just like a natural thing. And I was really happy with the outcome and everyone did such an amazing job. And the, just the whole recording process was a lot of fun and both experiences were great. Cause um, there were again, two different people, um, Alec Rodriguez at New Alliance Studio for the EP and uh, Chris Leamy, um, we recorded at his uh, practice space um, for the full length. Yeah, and I was gonna ask you about Chris Leamy because I am I'm 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 aware and familiar with a few of his older projects from the '90s, Eco Stench, um, and if I'm not mistaken, he was also a member of uh, Japanese Torture Comedy Hour with Scott Hull. Uh, I believe he's told me about that one. So we've talked a lot about bands, but I'm not I'm not sure about the first one, but I believe he's mentioned to me the second one. And I'm sure you know about Brain Famine, correct? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, 
I love that band so much. They're they're incredible, and I'm, I'm sure you also know he's in Siege as well. Yeah, I'm I'm reviewing his metal archives now, um, and kind of just like I, I wanted to make sure that this was the same guy that that was actually credited for recording your um uh your album. So yeah, so I just want to get into that. What was it like recording uh, uh with that dude, and what you know what kind of input did he give to, towards the album? Amazing, um, very just insightful. Um, has a lot of experience and knowledge, just has so much to talk about and has been doing so much in his time and was just such a like a joy to be around because he always had something interesting to say and he always had a pr- way to like make you think about it differently in a perspective that was not only like helpful but just like challenging and uh, he was always just like, I don't know, he just had... Um, he just had a great knack for like getting the sound that we wanted, but also just like letting it again be comfortable and flow the way it was supposed to be. And it was just a it was a good experience working with him. It was awesome, and I'm looking forward to working with him many more times. Yeah, kind kind of a um uh, an experimental noise and and grind kind of veteran. Yeah, uh, yeah, in, he, in he's way. all over the place. He does many different things, and he's also like a very talented artist. Draws really cool stuff um just like again just so many different things he does and very talented all around okay yeah i wanted to get it get that in there when i realized that that um he was involved and you know i i'm not acting i i don't know i'm not familiar with this guy all of this guy's work and everything so i wanted to ask you about him a little bit but um uh i do remember eco stents and japanese torture comedy hour uh from the 90s both uh kind of like noisy grindy projects from compilations i had um and, but but you then after after he uh records it for you guys um you sent it off to Magnus Lindbergh of Cult of Luna to Stockholm Sweden to give it that final Swedish polish is that correct Yeah for both recordings um my friend Alec who works at New Alliance Studio um he recommended me him for the EP and I was like yeah absolutely I mean Cult of Luna is an awesome band um, I would love to see what he could do to the EP, and he made it sound really good overall. I was really pleased and um, was, you know, really stoked to work with him on the pulling. And again, he delivered, once again, stellar production uh, for mastering. It, it sounds really just like, you know, very like to what I was looking for and just very on point. So I was very happy with the outcome for both releases. And again, just great person to work with. Yeah, um, uh, you know, I've seen people kind of just, <laughs> I've seen people have like, um, I guess maybe um, uninformed takes on mastering and whether or not you should even have your, your recordings mastered and things like that. And, um, you know, sometimes sending it to a professional like that can, can definitely make a difference. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, you know, sometimes either like, you know, you'll put on a record from a new band. And not only will the record amaze you, but like you'll be kind of like really impressed with the production sometimes. You'll be like, whoa, like who is that? Um, who did that? And it kind of makes you like run to the record physically and just like look at the linear notes or like Google it or figure it out because you're just like that impressed by it. Um, there was actually a record recently that came out like last year from this band that I just constantly rave about. Um, I'm sure you know Faceless Burial, uh, their last mm-hmm. full length. Um, that production just, I, I love it so much. And I like really love how how they went with that, and that like was inspiring to me to be like, wow, like that's really like interesting production. It's really cool. Like I really admire that. Great band, uh, very interesting band. 
Um, yeah, so good. Yeah. So, all right. So I, I want to encourage people to check out all this music f- for themselves. Let's get into some of this stuff that you guys have planned for 2024. Um, the, the Something that struck me right off the bat, aside from that UK tour, is that next June 14th and 15th in Mexico City, they're having the Total Death Over Mexico Fest, which you guys are part of. Yeah, we're going to be playing that. Um, that should be a lot of fun. Really stoked. That lineup is incredible, and they've always been doing a stellar job every year with lineups. Um, so it's really cool to be a part of that and to play Mexico is, is a pretty cool, I mean, it's an amazing opportunity, of course. Yeah. Um, how, I mean, <laughs> I don't... <laughs> I don't want to like I don't want to blow up your spot but I mean it's like how do you how do you how do you get um booked does someone reach out to you do you do you inquire do you guys say we want to break into Mexico what you know how does that hookup come up I mean I straight up just emailed them and that's just like what I all I did um I just emailed them did the very as professional as I could straight to the point email with a very clear thing with a link and just like that's it and no expectation whatsoever <laughs> and i did that to a few other places and this was the one that got back to me so i was like you know and then of course necropolis fest as well so i was like okay well like it can either work or it can't work and if they like the music if they just happen to check the link and be like oh or maybe they heard the band before by chance again you know still early in the game so very slim at the time but luckily you know they gave us a chance of like okay cool like that's that's dope like that's incredible like very appreciated very um very sick <laughs> yeah no i wish you guys the best of luck that sounds cool and you're breaking into not only mexico but you're going to um as we said the uk next year uh and i'm and i'm looking at so you guys are doing ralph's rock diner where you said you made your debut again that's going to be on the uh 18th of this coming february just yeah, for, for so- the listeners um yeah if you yeah get into it yeah, so that's actually going to be part of a two, like, that's going to be part of two more shows for a three-day run um, in February. So the 16th of February, the 17th, and the 18th. We're going to be announcing those two other shows pretty soon. Uh, we're going to be playing uh, Maryland and uh, Pennsylvania and Harrisburg. Uh, Baltimore, Maryland, sorry, and Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And then Ralph's Rock Diner, we're going to be playing with uh, Basura from North Carolina and Pathogenesis from Virginia slash North Carolina, who are playing the other two shows with us as well. And joining us will be Brain Famine and Zero Survive, who is also very sick. Highly recommend checking them out. Um, that's going to be a great show. All of those bands are sick. All of those uh, bands are our friends. So definitely really looking forward to that one. And, of course, the other two shows as well. Yeah. Dude. And and so we got that. And then we got the UK tour that we talked about. I think that's that's – is that everything you guys got booked for next year so far? Yeah. So far, uh, we do have one other show that we'll be announcing – that's in the area in March. So that'll be coming up. Um, but aside from that, that's all we have planned for shows as of 2024, hoping to do more, see how it goes. Definitely really stoked about everything so far and just looking to play out again. Uh, really happy with everything. Yeah. Um, and I just want to highlight something you said a few minutes ago, just for, um, Younger listeners with bands trying to get out there. Yeah, just dropping an email, not your whole life story, just something quick, professional with a, with a link to your band and um, especially whether or not you've played in the area before, or, you know, things like that. Yeah, uh, you know, just, just, just go for it. A lot of times, even if somebody at the venue... If they're not the person that books the death metal underground shows, they might they might forward you to the right person or something, man. You know, you, you never know. Because um, I see... 
the tours and the shows that you guys have played this year, and you hit a lot of the right venues for the for the different regions for underground death metal. Yeah, I mean, again, all it takes is that email and that initial response. I mean, again, like you said earlier too, if that first person may not be able to help you right away, maybe someone else can. But just continuing to have that consistency is definitely important. And just getting out there. And again, you know, I know it's hard and I know it's not easy to like get that initial response or that initial gig or anything, but it's definitely possible. Um, and then also just like linking up with a band that you really love. Um, as you already know, you know, we did the July tour with Flesh Rot from Texas. And obviously, all of us in the band love that band. And I was, I just reached out to them and I was like, hey, like, like your stuff. Um, would you ever be interested in like setting up a tour together? And they obviously checked out our stuff because it uh, came out on like a YouTube channel, I believe on Death Metal Promotions, the EP. And he was like, oh, yeah, I actually checked out your EP. You guys are great. And we linked up and we started like, you know, hitting up venues. And again, not every venue may respond right away or say yes, but it's just something you just do and you roll the dice. But linking up with people and just having that those connections and just networking is, is really the name of the game. Yeah, um, it's it's a big part of it, man. Um, so, all right. So we want people to check. Just follow. We tell people just follow you on uh, social media um, so they could be aware of all those shows. And I know recently you guys just did a small run. Uh, earlier this month, you hit a lot of key places. The Bug Jar in Rochester, one of my favorite venues. Oh, yeah, um, that place is awesome. I, I've always enjoyed that place. Um, where What did you end up doing on the first? Uh, on the first? uh that was what was that that was the, uh, to Pennsylvania? Be yeah that was okay. Philly. we played the blood bank uh that was that was like a house show uh that was awesome that was a great time um we had a really good time that night we played with uh, a grozov uh like a heavy power metal band that was sick and then cavern womb death metal of course they were awesome uh great show always a good time philly knows definitely knows how to have fun hell yeah yeah i, I like philly man and um you, yeah. had the, you had the meat locker over there in Montclair. Um, oh, dude, meat locker is so sick. <laughs> yeah, I'm very familiar with the meat locker. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. thanks, props to Zach and Jackie for uh, yeah. getting that show book. That was a great time. Um, that was a really good show. And, good. of course, the Bug, Char- Bug Jar to- uh, show, too, was sick, I was going to mention. I love the layout of that place. Did uh, did Oz book that show, Ozzy, up there? I believe so, yeah. yeah. We were, and, of course, we were working with our friends in Bloodsport to get that show booked, yeah. but I believe it was yeah. ours, yeah. Yeah, I know he books. Great... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. And then, of course, uh, Dusk as well. Yeah, that, that's what I'm really getting around to is Dusk because I read something. I think I was on Reddit somewhere, and I read that Dusk might be closing down. Yeah, I, I, I've been reading that, too, and it's a, it's a shame because I, I love Dusk. It is a lot of us, you know, in the New England area and – beyond have you know are aware that place is a great venue and it's host to a lot of amazing shows and amazing people work there and again they've been such a staple for the scene and it's 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 true which it's a huge shame and it's a bummer and i I, like i hope they can do something and i hope like something could happen out of that but it's if it does happen that's, that's a huge bummer yeah, I I was fortunate to play there. Um uh one one time supporting Geigen and one time supporting Blood Incantation and um Demolich. So that was I mean I have some great memories. Awesome. Great oh, yeah. a cool venue, like nice small venue for death metal but like just just the right kind of vibe too, man. I I I, yeah. I yeah, I wish them the best and hopefully 
Hopefully it's a say it ain't so situation. Um, not you know not to speculate, but people. Uh, uh, may, I don't even know if there's any situation where they would have a GoFundMe or anything like that, or if there's any possibilities. But I encourage people to go check out Dusk online. Uh, Dusk in Providence, Rhode Island, the venue. Um, I have some great memories of that venue. So, yeah, I just wanted to touch on that real quick when I saw that. Absolutely. And I, I have nothing else to shout Dusk out. Um, and, again, I encourage people to follow you guys, uh, Grotesqueries Death, um, on Instagram and wherever people follow social media for all these shows that we just talked about. And your album, uh, Vile Crematory, that we've been talking about, is out on Caligari Records. Uh, and that, again, I just, that I, I almost feel, I, I gotta reach out. I have such a long list of people I want to interview, but Chris, it's Chris Lowry, right? Uh, Chris Lowry. Of, of your, your, who produced the album, who recorded the album. Oh, Chris Leamy. I'm sorry. Chris, Chris Leamy. I can't. Sorry, I, I was confused. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm the one who's confused. I got the guy's name wrong. Chris no, Leamy. Um, yeah. Did, uh, some, yeah, great guy. Just yeah, just someone who has kind of a rich history in. I respect. I respectfully say fringe experimental uh, kind of noise music that 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 some of our listeners might not be familiar with. But um, it's interesting to know that compared with how I also received the wall of guitar sound that I enjoyed from the album. Um, I'll, I'll, oh, yeah. I'll, I'll I'll stop there, but I just want the listeners to take that to heart and and check it out for themselves. Um, and, and Yanni, you, you've, I know you're familiar with the show at this point. I'm also going to ask you to, uh, recommend for the listeners, one older and one newer piece of music, demo album, whatever, any genre, any type of music at all for people to listen to. And of course, then we'll also give the opportunity to plug and promote anything we didn't mention. Okay. So, um, older record, um, there is a band from Utah that my friend showed me from like the mid nineties called wicked innocence. Oh and yeah. 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 You know, all right. So I think it's, what is it? Omnipotence. That record. Yes. 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 Um, that record really got me. Um, that record is just so interesting and just kind of like has all these twists and turns. And I, I just, I, it's very addicting to listen to sometimes. It just has a lot of replay value. So it was just one of those like hidden gems that I really appreciated it's so many to na- like to name for like old school stuff obviously because there's so many crazy like records that came out um but that's definitely like a pick for old school uh for new school so is that like anything within like the last 10 years or uh, no strict rules just you know something a little bit more modern oh man that's tough um i mean like i said earlier like brand- like i i'm just trying to think of like something else that i haven't mentioned yet that's a really good um uh okay i guess uh Malo Carpeton, is how do you pronounce that Ma- Ma- I've heard you like know. Mallow Carpton or Mal. Yeah, I'm, I'm... yeah, that band. Okay, that band's really sick. That band's really doing some cool stuff. Every record that they've been putting out is really interesting. They just put out this uh, record this year that I didn't even know was they, they they were putting one out. So I was like amazed. I was really pleased by that. Um, so that was a that's a newer band that I would definitely say has also really been really interesting for me. Um, definitely been spinning them a lot. I'm trying. I'm just trying to look up that band. Um. 
Yeah, Mallow Carpate. Yeah, I wouldn't know how to pronounce that. I mean, look, I do. The listeners know it's like a running joke. I can't pronounce anything. Yeah. Um. Th- thank the American public education system. That that's a that's a <laughs> that's a cheap shot for all the European listeners right there. They love that. Yeah. Uh, oh, also, um, another for New York band. I was going to mention Negative Plane. I'm obsessed with that band. That's yes. so good. Yeah, Negative Plane. They've come up a few times on the podcast of a distinguished recommendation. Um, an old band I was, I used to be in, got the opportunity to, to, to share the stage with them one time at St. Vitus. Oh, and I was sick. really, they had an interesting, a ghostly presence live. I really remember their live presence was like understated. It wasn't some big grandiose black metal show or anything, but that was, it was like very dark and kind of ghastly. I really, and that, and that gave me a deeper appreciation for the music. One of, That's one of those bands where I saw them live before I heard a recording and after, and I've always kind of associated them with with that impression they left on me. Great band. Yeah, they, they're so, yeah, they're just like very original, very unique. They're just so interesting and the songwriting is just very awesome. It's so high quality. Oh, so I hope to see them live one day. Um, but yeah, no, love that band. Yeah, and I'm just looking up. I had to grab um, uh, where I, my office where I record the podcast. I have like my whole tape collection here. I allegedly was g- gifted a bootleg of uh, it's 1995 Napalm Records. America was that Omnipotence uh, Wicked Innocence album. I was allegedly oh, gifted nice. a a homemade bootleg of this by a member of the Heavy Hole production staff who will remain nameless. Um, right <laughs> now, sick. they know who they are. Thanks to them, man. And I do have an official copy here, also of their second album, uh, Anthropological Infest. Actually, no, I think Anthropological Infestation is the first album, and yep. Omnipotence was the second album. If I got yeah, that right, yeah, yeah. But um, both are yeah. both are absolutely worth checking out, man. One of the, that's a band that. Um, people, people have a back and forth sometimes about the frog vocals that, uh, that I also participate in and, and whether Auntie Bowman of Demolich or Matt Duncan, the original singer of Afterbirth was like the first to do it. And this band Wicked Innocence, I think also should be included in that conversation because they were doing those bullfrog vocals in Utah in a fucking weird kind of like, you know, eccentric death metal band too. So I, I don't know, man, Wicked Innocence underrated band i'm always glad to hear them come up in conversation definitely also um one more band that was from the older uh, old school uh paralysis um the uh, vocalist of goat horse original band or first band Patrons oh yeah. Of the Dark. yeah 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 i love that record another great one man these are all albums um well the wicked innocence and the paralysis i know have come out recently on on um great quality cassette reissues yes um, i did see that yeah, yeah, I was able to to get that paralysis one too, man. Um, you nice. got you got you got me. I'm about to go digging in the tape closet again. But <laughs> but uh, yeah. I, I want the listeners to um to definitely check out those, man. Some choice choice cuts recommended uh, just now tonight. Um, and Yanni, I, Yanni, I neglected to uh, inquire um, about another band you had told me about that's that you and one of your bandmates in Grotesqueries are busy with. Um, is it Hallucivore? Correct. Uh, actually, it's it's three of us. I'm sorry, I should have mentioned. Yeah. So me, so J- it's uh, Johner. Uh, sorry, sorry, Johner. John, Connor, and me uh, are playing Hallucivor, and um, essentially it's um, and then also John's brother Jake is on bass as well. Um, and uh, it's basically a project. Uh, it's very um, you know mix of black metal and death metal, 
Uh, it's like yellow eyes meets artificial brain. It's very tasteful. It's ex very original, extremely interesting. Just a lot of, you know, again, um, twists and turns that are very catchy. Um, just a lot of heavy stuff, a lot of, you know, like lighter stuff. It's it's just all over the place. It's it's really interesting and it's really fun to be a part of. And it's been fun playing with those dudes and playing that material because it's 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 heavy, it's fast, it, but it's more technical than grotesqueries for sure. And it's definitely pushing me a lot for drumming. And um, it's definitely been a lot of fun. Okay. And um, I guess you do, I know you do have an IG page for that band, right? So we'll tell, tell people to check that out for any yes. news going forward. Definitely. Yeah. There'll definitely be news coming out um, very soon. Any shows booked with that band? Uh, not at the moment. Hopefully some soon uh, next year early, but uh, we'll have to see. But um, hopefully something soon. Yeah, definitely. Looking forward to that. You guys have been busy enough with grotesqueries, man. That's cool. Um, yeah, definitely. Uh, so, Yanni, and any while, I, while we're on that note, any other projects or any anything else that you're working on that you want to plug or promote at the moment? Not that I'm doing at the moment, um, but I'm trying to think. I don't think I have anything else. Um, kind of just again, just kind of like focusing on the two at the moment. But uh, yeah, no, uh, nothing at the moment. But thank you though. Uh, yeah, no, of course, man. Thank you for your time. You've been very generous with your time. We appreciate it, man. Giving us, a, giving us a little bit more insight into that um, Vile Crematory album by Grotesqueries out uh, on Caligari Records. We encourage everyone to check that out. Follow them on social media for um, if you're in Mexico City, if you're in the UK. Uh, these guys are going to be all over next year, man. Check it out. Um, and with that being said, uh, Yanni Tranxedes, uh, um, thank you very much for your time. Uh, and any parting words for followers of your music and listeners of the show? Oh, actually, I forgot to mention vinyl will be coming soon for the full length. So that'll be coming shortly. We'll be posting an announcement for that so when people can order. But um, no, just, um, you know, listen to sick metal or music in general. But yeah, huh. um, yeah, death metal forever. No, just sick metal. No other sick music. Just just sick metal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just just death metal, dude. Only death metal. Hell yeah. Yanni, I hope to meet up with you guys um, in real life and catch grotesqueries on stage sometime, man. Have a great night, brother. Thank you so much. You as well. Thank you so much, Bill. Appreciate it. Thank you. We're back, man. I just want to thank uh, Yanni from Grotesqueries very much for that conversation. I encourage everybody to check out Grotesqueries uh, and to check out all the music that we just discussed. But to give you a head start, um, as always, we're going to give you a few recommendational rundowns. I have... Um, speak, speaking of NPR, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Going on the, I have something you're gonna have to really go on the art. You literally are gonna have to go on like a top secret archive to hear one song of. I got like the the cultist of cult recommendations. Um, and I'm gonna be staying in upstate New York, uh, uh this evening. But Dave, you're venturing out. You're vent you're venturing out to a place that we don't often speak of on the Heavy Hole podcast. 
Uh, a land that has its own death metal and grindcore history, I'm sure, but not necessarily steeped in as much lore. I'm going to let you take it over right now. Um, what, what's the band? What's the album? And where are they from? Yeah, so the uh, the album that I have, it's Wicked Innocence's Worship. It's their third studio album, I think. It's on. Uh, it came out in 1999 on Headfucker Records, and uh, it's a it's an interesting piece of music. You know, it's uh, they are part of the, I think what's loosely titled like called like the Mountain States Death Metal Scene or Rocky Mountain Death Metal or something like that. It's like you know, Cephalic Carnage. Well, they're they're uh, from hideous corpse. Salt Lake What's, City, Utah. Yeah, they are. Okay, and that's adjacent to Colorado. No. Yeah, they're. I actually, I was just looking at a map because I couldn't remember where the states were in relation to each other. If one was like on top of the other one, but they are. Utah is next to uh, Colorado. It's to the west. And, okay. Uh, and you said hideous corpse. That's the band that became Skeleton of God, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. And something I just noticed when I was looking at uh, Metallum, the the guy who is the current singer of Wicked Innocence, because they apparently are back together again, is uh, was in a band called Undertaker from Colorado. And I wish I could remember what they sound like. I actually used to have the CD, but I just was looking for it in like a last minute dash and couldn't uh, I couldn't find it. But I think it's like not too far off from that style of uh of death metal but uh yeah it, it's sort of they they have their own twist you know they, they sort of have like a, a kind of like a defining sound it's not like wildly different from anything but uh well i you know if, if i could just step in right I, something i was thinking about and my own ignorance, my own lack of geography skills, I didn't realize, even though I've driven through there. But yeah, Utah is adjacent to Colorado. Um, but all, Skeleton of God, I once said on this podcast, has a sound that Cephalic Carnage fans might recognize something in. And I thought something similar about Wicked Innocence, though Wicked Innocence is a little bit more in the 90s brutal death metal vein. Uh, but they have that Cephalic Carnage kind of like spastic back and forth quality with the composition that's 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 kind of the key with a lot of these bands is that like that that the, the way cephalic carnage has that like grindy spastic hybrid subgenre yeah, style like that's very that, like frantic yeah yeah but i'm sorry to cut you off i just want to jump in there it's totally okay um yeah wicked innocence is definitely more of the brutal death metal but they they definitely have their own twist on it especially on this album <laughs> you know according to the uh, uh, compared to the other stuff but uh yeah this is the uh the album that has they they have a lot of clean vocals oh yeah when i was getting the uh the youtube link to send to you so you could listen to it the uh i was looking at the comments and everyone is like huh. kind of gushing about it they're all like really a fan of like the vocals and the all the clean vocals and stuff like that so i was, I was kind of surprised because i feel like when it came out it didn't get that kind of attention I think that it was sort of, um, it didn't get, or I shouldn't, I should say it didn't get that much support when it first came out. I, I don't think it really hit a lot of people in the right way. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, well, to be honest with you, if, if I'm going to be a hundred percent honest, not beat around the bush, the vocals do. And now I know how, um, a lot of people who hear my bands feel because the vocals ruined the album for me. 
<laughs> um, I now I know how a lot of people who check out Afterbirth and and other bands I've been in feel because I can confidently say the vocals on this album kind of make me not not listen to it. Um, and it's dude, they have like that's the thing. I really do enjoy Wicked Innocence. I've always been fascinated with their place in kind of underground metal lore. And their story and and their music is something I've always that's like that's one of the main reasons I do this podcast is bands like that who are kind of oddball and an anomaly and maybe are a little bit obscured and forgotten even in this day and era, um, uh, because it, it it's 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 just an anomaly it's 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 just such a novelty to 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 check it out man and i i can rock with the anthropological infestation is crazy um a little bit more brutal a little bit more for your gore grind and death metal you know um uh diehards and then they came out with omnipotence which is like the kind of progressive interesting technical death metal oddball album and this album to me had all the potential to follow that up and be this like third part of the trilogy and for some reason he had to try to do the the Lane Staley um uh Eddie Vedder thing over the blast beats and the death and it's like I've been, you know, I've known people, like, you know, especially when I was younger in the late 90s and the early 2000s when Slipknot was was coming out and a lot of these, like, quote-unquote new metal bands and, you know, System of a Down was big and there were bands that were experimenting with death metal techniques and singing. Uh, Dave, do you remember R22 from Long Island? I do. Yeah, good, good guys. Yeah, nice guys. I, I have the CD, actually. I got it on Discogs a few years ago. Um, I think we... Did we talk about them on here? I'm think, pretty sure I we did. We may have. Yeah. I, I guarantee we did because I bought the CD around the t- It was probably a few years ago, but uh, they they sprang to mind when I was listening to this, but it just doesn't do it for me because Wicked Innocence Worship, the music is so death metal. And it's just the parts where he's singing sound like, and what I would want to hear is death metal vocals. Um, this to me is a good, like I've heard people over the years suggest clean singing over death metal in bands that I was in, um, kind of suggesting that I should learn how to do it or that we should bring someone else in to do it. Uh, and this to me is what I would play somebody like, this is why I don't want to, to pursue that. Or somebody I know who like, you know, when people are like, well, I like the music, you know, you ever hear this, Dave, people who don't really know about death metal, uh, well, you know, I like the music, but why do they sing like that? Yeah, no, that, I think that's really funny that uh, that that you put it like that. Um, this was the first uh, Wicked Innocence album that I heard. I like I heard the the third track on it, which I think doesn't. It has a clean singing, but it's not as there's not as much. But um, yeah, when I got the CD, like that that first track, uh, it just he comes right out the gate, just yeah. fucking Eddie Vettering all over the song and shit. It's just like it's really. It it took a while to, for me to of listening to like really kind of I, I kind of just tune it out at this point honestly like I feel like I get they were trying to do something different you know but uh it's like they went too far in some respects and not far enough in others and like I think the vocals were really uh. Yes, like some of the so, so like when he got really soulful and like yeah. really he's like, you know, holding out one syllable of a word for like three measures and shit like that. I'm just like, that's too much. But there's like other parts where he just sort of like does like 
it sounds almost like a Phil and Selmo sort of spoken word thing. Yeah. Or like, yeah. like a, he just sort of like, yes, like sort of sing something in like a clean way. Like it, it kind of works and I'm like, all right, I could see that. Uh, but no. it really, it's like, they really kind of poured it on a little too thick. Yeah. Definitely laid it on too thick, bro. I overplayed the hand with the clean vocals on this one, dude. I mean, I, I remember having like put this on a few times over the years, you know, myself just like on YouTube or whatever, just like trying to give it a chance. And like, you know, I didn't really have a good um, sit down with it. And then when you recommend it, I said, all right, I put it on earlier today. And the first, like right out the gate, first song opens up the album with the clean vocals. Here I am. This is what I'm doing now. Or, you know what I mean? It was like, it, it was brave. Yeah, I got to have balls to do that. And the rest of the band believed in him, I guess. I can only imagine what the inner band conversations might have been. But, Dude. um, uh, I'm I was. Sorry. Continue your thought. I, I got to have something to, uh, to add to that. Okay. I'm just, all I'm going to say is I was ready to enjoy it when he came back in with the death metal vocals. I said, all right, if he just does the Eddie Vedder parts, you know, here or there, you know, maybe. And then I listen to the second song and the third song and the fourth song. And it's like, it gets exhausting because, dude, here's the thing. He's doing all these, like, sing. There's not grunge music going on. He's doing this over technical death metal, grindy technical death metal. Like, it's not like they added... You know, it's not like they toned things down and had kind of like a hard rock metal sound that that would be appropriate for. Like, it was just kind of like, it was it was like if, if you were a singer and you got, you know, the new Decrepit Birth album instrumentals or the new Suffocation instrumentals and you were like, oh, you know what this needs? A little bit of Chris Cornell here or there. You know what I mean? Like, it's like that. They're... I would sound like Les Claypool singing over this Disgorge album. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's just, yeah. It, it just doesn't fit. Um... And it also sounds like a guy who does really good. He had a really good range as a death metal singer. He he was one of the, he was early on. People don't give Wicked Innocence the credit for this. A lot of people remember them for this though. Is he was one of the first guys to do the frog vocals on the first two albums, and he also would do more traditional throaty death metal vocals. He had a good range as a death metal singer. And here's the thing: extreme metal singers, aspiring extreme metal vocalists who might be listening. Get a good range as a death metal. Learn how to do the highs and the lows and the what are the, now they call them vocal fries. I don't. I never heard that term until a few years ago. You do the gutter, do everything, but just you don't have to develop a grunge rock singing voice to to be a versatile. That doesn't mean you're a versatile or dynamic vocalist, man. And I couldn't sing like this, but it's just to me, it just didn't work um, as a listener and, and as a fan. I'm sorry, Dave. I'll let you take over. I know you had a thought before. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll get to that, but I just want to say too, it's like the, the thing is too that in addition, like his death metal vocals are great. Like just like you said, his singing vocals are actually really good too. They just don't work with the music at all. Yeah. Like if, if he was in like an Alice in Chains or something like that, or a Soundgarden kind of band, or like whatever, like it probably like it would be probably fine. But it's like it just the way he's doing this, the the way he's singing, it just doesn't really work with the music. But uh, something that I was gonna like mention is just like a like a joke. But um, was like I was wondering how uh how much the rest of the band knew about what he was going for vocally <laughs> before he like did he like come into a rehearsal one day with like like he's like oh I got the vocals for that song and he comes in and he just starts like belting out you know the 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 Eddie Vedder vocals 
and everyone like it was like a record scratch moment where it was like, yo, what the <laughs> fuck? But I like I found an old Wicked Innocence interview from like ninety six, ninety seven. And I guess it was like right it was from right after the uh omnipotence came out, but they were they they had begun writing the songs for this album. And apparently they were like the drummer said he was like well away like they were he knew that like the the clean i should say the clean vocals were part of the the process from the get-go so like he was talking about them when they had like only two or three songs written so uh it's definitely like you know i i don't know if they, they just like really were looking to experiment if it was just like they were a bunch of potheads that were just kind of like oh this is a great idea let's just fucking go with it and they're too like toasted to you know like use their better judgment or whatever like that but i mean yeah like his his vocals he's a great death metal singer and i was kind of wondering too um just to get away from that the, if you listen to the the album it, it sounds like he kind of layers his vocals like he does like uh, a low growl then there's like the next line of of it is like a different kind of death like growl and then it's yeah. the next one something else and i'm like is he changing like that like in the moment or is he like doing one swipe of the song with one vocal and then going back and doing it again as it's on a different track and then again and again and again because if he can do that live he's fucking really it's like really impressive if you could do that but i you know i've never seen them live so i, I can't say yeah. but uh well, they, you know, yeah, I, th- I think that was part of it too. It's like the vocals, they're so all over the place. And then there's the singing on top of it. So it just really, it takes away from the songs a little bit. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things like, you know, I talk a lot about Cataclysm's original work with uh, original singer Sylvain Howd. The, those vocal it has that kind of quality where the vocals sound a little bit sporadic and a little bit like layered on top of each other you know like they're they don't really they're yeah. not as fluid they're a little bit more random which has its own quality for, for death metal vocals but again the, yeah the sing i don't want to harp on it too much man you know because i do enjoy this band lauren cook is the name of the singer we're talking about he, he's he's actually the band supposedly is still around uh they reunited several years ago and i think um, yeah i saw that they just got back together <clears throat> again and they're like playing shows and stuff but he's not with them dallas brown is with them who was in that band undertaker you mentioned and this what's interesting if you go on metal archives and you go on complete lineup or you know all the members of the band Lauren Cook was in the band for the three albums that we've spoken about. Dallas Brown was on their 2000 album Opium Empire, which I'm less familiar with. We should we should delve into that another episode and give it its own time. Um, but but Lauren Cook was on the three albums that we've spoken about. But if you look in complete lineup, there's been a lot of people in and out of this band since the late 80s. But in terms of anthropological omnipotence and worship, those three albums do share most of the same core lineup of the band. Um, so, yeah, I, I, you know, again, I want the listeners to make their own decision because the idea of this kind of like clean singing, grunge singing, whatever you want to call it, uh, in in death metal, it's an idea I've heard floated a lot over the years, primarily by guitarists usually. <laughs> It's usually guitarists, so I think probably want to aspire for a little bit more 
um, than the death metal scene will offer them, but they're in a death metal band. But that's kind of interesting. Regard, yeah. Um, but this this is how it this is how it may turn up or may or may not turn up. Man, it's an interesting album. Um, and I, you know, I would, I would definitely welcome any member of this band to, to come on and tell their story. I, I am going to try to reach out again. So, um, I'm going to leave it there, Dave. Any last thoughts about this? Uh, I'm just going to say that it's, it, it is a great album and people should give it a chance, give it a listen, you know, give it two listens. Cause it's, it's just that kind of album, but, uh, yeah, that's it. All right, man. Give yeah. So Tom, please bring, bring the people a little bit of that, um, uh, uh, Wicked Innocence uh, Worship is the name of the album, and, and make sure you hit him apart with hit, hit, with the with the grunge rock vocals. So that's that. I'll let you decide, man. That's for the listener to decide. Um, but one thing uh, that I'm going to decide right now is to leak top secret classified documents. Um, no, I'm just kidding. But I, I do have a band here, uh, Dead Speak. One word. Uh, I'm talking about the one from upstate New York because uh, uh, there are a few Dead Speaks when you look it up. I think, Dave, is, that's a reference from a movie or from some sort of literature, I think, Dead Speak. Do you know about that? Yeah, I I can't put my finger on what it is, but it, you're right. It is it's a it's from some literature or some movie or something like that that I, I can't put my finger on. But uh, you're uh you're right. You're you're not far off the mark with that. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm looking it up, man. It's you know it's it's something. Um, oh, Autopsy Four: The Dead Speak. That was uh, those autopsy movies HBO used to put out. Man, that was the name of one of those. So I don't know, man. I'm I don't know where these guys got the name. Um, but Dead Speak, the band. This is a band that is. Uh, I don't know if they would classify it as that, but I've always thought of it as a side project of Morpheus Descends. Um, it has members of Morpheus Descends, a much more um, cult and, and kind of well known name from upstate New York. Um, but around the time of the early 2000s, this band Dead Speak was putting out a couple of free promos and giving them out at shows. I was fortunate enough to get a CD that had a lot of songs on it. Unfortunately, I kind of scoured YouTube um, and the web trying to find any kind of music I could by these guys. And I was able to come up with one song on YouTube um, that I sent to you, Dave. And I actually found uh, a, a web on on the on the 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 web archive the uh the wayback machine or whatever you call that um i found dead speaks old official website from the early 2000s um oh, wow. it's like you know kind of like an angel fire it's, 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 it looks like it's a, like like maybe a level above angel fire but it's like that kind of old school band website and if you click on media you can actually listen to 
like an MP3 of a song. So there's like two songs that I know of that are still available on the internet. Um, and it's, uh, I have no bones about calling this a Morpheus Descent side project or adjacent band because it has a lot of the same drum style, a lot of the same writing style. It's just a little bit more straightforward, not as atmospheric and haunting and creepy as Morpheus Descends, but maybe just a little bit more in your face. Um, cut to the chase style death metal, old school, early 90s death metal. Um, definitely something Morpheus Descends fans uh, want to look into and scour as their little Easter egg on the internet that they're trying to find one day. Deadspeak did put out two demos in the early 2000s. Um, and again, not to be confused with Deadspeak from, I think there was a couple from Europe, but this is Deadspeak from upstate New York from the early 2000s I'm talking about. Um, not, not much about them. I don't want to kill it, uh, you know, with too much talk. Dave, did you get a chance to peep these songs out? I did. And I, I did enjoy them. I, the, the, the track that was on YouTube, I was getting real, like it sat, it, it sounded like, um, if you take like a slow, like one of the slower morbid angel songs, it was, I I felt like that's like the best thing I could compare it to. And for some reason I, I wrote, um, broken hope also i'm not really sure i can't put my finger on why but it's just like that was like jumping in my brain when i was listening to the track like like the slower morbid angel style and like broken hope for some reason but uh yeah i didn't like the vocals that much um i'm not a fan of like that i don't it's like it if they were going for like an old school thing it's like that's sort of like consistent with that you know the, the more mid to high range death metal vocals but uh that was one thing that like I, I wasn't really into but you know overall like i i i wouldn't call them do- uh, death doom i don't know about you but um I, they're just kind of like a slow death metal band like slow mid-paced kind of death metal band uh yeah i mean I, 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 i'm sorry no go ahead i was gonna say like, like i would really like to hear more of their stuff um some of the songs they felt a little like being that this is like a like just like a demo release, they felt a little like underdeveloped. Like they could have like it wasn't like a completed thought yet. Like they you gotta add like whatever it is, like a guitar harmony or whatever. But like I, I, overall, like I thought that they had it had a lot of promise. I'm really I would really like to hear a lot more of this. And I I mean I'd I would like it actually if they came back and just became an active band again. Um it would be pretty sick because yeah, like like you know, that's what I mean. This wasn't it wasn't Morpheus Descends. Um, and the thing is, it's not going to be escapable for them to be compared because the members, um, the main thing is Sam Inzera, who is the longtime drummer of Morpheus Descends, was in this band, as was Ken Fazio, the bass player. And I think it's that rhythm section. It's really Sam Inzera's drum playing. Um, I think we, we talked about this when we talked about Morpheus Descends a few episodes ago, how uh, on Chronicles of the Shadowed Ones, Sam Inzera's drum style really kind of dominated and added a signature flavor to the whole EP or album. Um, I think in a similar way, if you're familiar with Morpheus Descends, the fact that he's playing drums and it's his signature style is enough to keep you keep you in on Dead Speak. You know what I'm saying? Because like that's you're yeah. right, you're right. Dead Speak is like I said, it's a little bit more cut to the chase and simple than Morpheus Descends, which has a lot more atmosphere and lore to it. 
Um, but but you know, Sam and Zara just kind of well. If you like the drumming of Morpheus descends, Dead Speak is definitely worth a shot and worth a listen because just you know, in my personal opinion, he's he's an amazing death metal drummer who you can kind of recognize um, when you hear him. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I guess I'll just leave it there. Like I said, yeah, they had a. Uh, they had a self-titled demo 2002 and a 2003 promo. Um, so there are songs like out there in the ether somewhere, but you might have to talk to somebody from upstate New York. Maybe I'll look for the CD. I got the CD around here somewhere. Maybe I'll find it and I'll um, I'll find a way to rip it. But uh, I don't know. Any, any parting thoughts on this one, Dave? Uh, no, I, I wish these guys would get back together again because huh. the music's really good. And I think that you know, I don't know how much of their time is taken up by Morpheus Descends, but I feel like they're this would be a really cool band to uh to hear more music from. Yeah, um, absolutely, man. So I, I just want to leave you with that. This is kind of like an Easter egg hunt, like I said, for the listeners. If you want to find something by this band, not to be confused with any other dead speak, but dead speak from Middletown, New York. Uh, from the late 90s and early 2000s. They had their self-titled demo and their promo 2003. I told you at the top of this little segment where you could find at least two songs, <laughs> one on the web archive and one on YouTube. Uh, and I'm, I am going to tell Tom right now, too, where he could find something by Dead Speak. Bring it in, Tom. <laughs> Dave, that was, uh, you might have thought that was the last of our upstate New York segment. Um, uh, you, you thought we exhausted our, our, our diet of upstate New York death metal, right? Yeah, uh, yes. Okay, I feel like you want me to say yes. I'm not sure. Yes, I, I, with this. Dave, Dave, say yes. Dave, say yes. Right, yes. Hurry up. The listeners are listening. Um, uh uh shout to uh the band um Deliquess from uh, Australia. You familiar with those guys? I am. I have I think <clears throat> their first EP and I I know they have a new album out and I uh, I'm not I can't remember if I've heard it or not. I might have heard a song or something, but uh I know that they're they're sort of like a, a suffocation style or a New York style. Yes. Uh, death metal band, right? Not only that, um, I don't normally do this. Going to spill the cats out of the bag now. I interviewed them the other day. The interview, the show will be coming out in the next few weeks. They know more. Their drummer Rick knows a lot more about upstate New York death metal uh, than I had expected. He kind of he kind of schooled me. He gave me a list of bands. We thought it was over with this segment. Dave, I don't know if you want to keep doing but I'm going to keep you in upstate New York the next few times we we do this, man. He gave me a list of bands we haven't even touched on. Yeah, uh you know what? I'd actually be interested in hearing that list of bands cuz I'm I definitely have like a uh I found a couple of YouTube channels that I was like sort of scrolling through and I I was watching videos of all these bands that I'd never even heard of mm-hmm. that like I think were short-lived in like the the 
the aughts or something like that. Yeah. But um, you know, there's there is a lot more bands in upstate uh, New York. Dude, being to, in, uh, being in a deathcore band was part of a high school was it was a high school requirement in upstate New York school districts in the in the early two thousands. It really was. You had to make the uh, you had to do both. You had to be a, in a hardcore band and then go to death metal and then somehow yeah. end up stylistically playing deathcore. Yeah, the trajectory records is Victory Records, nineteen ninety eight. Dillinger Escape Plan, year 2000, when you graduate high school. Uh, and then, like, then then you get into your early 20s and you hear Daughters or, like, the number 12 looks like. And then it just got weird from there. I was listening to Fermento. So I, I, I don't, I'm not responsible for any of that. I'm sorry. Yeah, I was. All those bands are terrible in my book. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, shout, uh, to, shout to those da- bands. Daughters I never liked. Shout um, to those bands. Except the ones, I, you know, I, I can't, like, dude, you don't even know nowadays. A lot of those bands had weird stuff happen. A lot of those bands ended up on the Lamb Goat comment section for the wrong reasons. The Dillinger Escape Plan, like, not, not them. first came out were fucking great i really they all I, I like them and then they didn't end up there i don't think yeah no i don't think i've ever heard anything any well, gospel about allegedly, them, but, allegedly, um, allegedly allegedly yeah the, but the, uh, there was a weird uh, thing with that scene though there was definitely a weird thing yeah it's like all the all the people that normally play like pop punk were like they got to wear like the tight shirts and the tight pants and they were like Oh man, underage girls come to these shows too. Nice. Yeah, yeah. Being uh, overweight and uh, into Dungeons and Dragons before it was fashionable, and death metal before it was fashionable, protected me from girls for many years. Actually, Dave. <laughs> yeah, you, you and me both. Believe me. Oh Com- boy, comic books and death metal did wonders for my uh, social standing in high school. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, the Wonder Years. <laughs> I need a show like. Uh, like the Wonder Years, or like Everyone Hates Chris, where like some poor kid has to play me in high school, and I just narrate it. It would just be, God, it would destroy what little credibility I have now. You know, um, some pud- pudgy kid in like in, in camo pants and a flannel shirt listening to Queensrÿche in high school. Um, all right, I, I forget how we got here. We started off with me trying to flex on you about upstate New York death metal, and now I'm just exposing how much of a dork I was in high school to the listeners. Dave, uh, thank you very much for joining me. Uh, Yanni from Grotesqueries, uh, more importantly than um, exposing my uh, how, how much of a, uh, a dork I was in high school, I want to expose the music of Grotesqueries. I want you guys to seriously go check them out. Check out all the music we discussed on this episode, whether it was from upstate New York or Boston or anywhere or beyond. Um, uh, Connecticut Death Fest coming up quick, Dave. Uh, Dave, did you happen to to see that, that Connecticut is having a Death Fest now? Yeah, I've actually... Uh... I think I want to. I want to try to go to the night that you guys are playing, Afterbirth. Yeah, uh, that would be sick. We would. We we always like to see you there, Dave. Yeah, I, I was. I was looking at the bands. Some of them I knew. Some of them I didn't know. But I'm. Uh, it's. I, I'm really stoked to like see some of those those like bands that I, like the the more underground younger bands that that are coming out that I'm not aware of yet. It's gonna be fun. I'm expecting because it's you know. Let's be real. This isn't Vakken, okay? This isn't uh, Obscene Extreme. There's nobody camping. 
for three days and not taking showers outside of this place. This is a nice, um, uh, manageable death metal, death metal festival. Uh, two days, um, you know, there's no, there's no crazy, there's not going to be crazy lines and all that crazy shit, man. And I, the thing about this, what I'm getting at with all this kind of prep talk here, it's going to be, Dave, do you remember when you and I went to MDF in like 2004? With your brother and the bio, it was yeah. I think Biolich was playing, and that's why we were hanging all hanging around. And um, uh, MDF is a great metal uh, institution at this point. I I couldn't knock it if I tried, but back then there was a little bit more of a uh, grassroots kind of you know com- small community feel to it. I want to say twenty years ago, right? I, yeah, I don't, I, like I feel like metal hadn't really like bounced back. Yeah, to like the the public eye or the mainstream, whatever it is. So like it was Maryland death fest was a death metal fest. It was like, it was all like all the death metal bands that were doing stuff in the States. And then like, they brought in a bunch of bands from Europe and Japan and shit. And like, but it was like a death metal fest, death metal and a yes. core. There was yes. no stoner doom. There was no black metal. There was no fucking, you know, whatever. But yeah. Uh, yeah. And again, not hating, but all I'm getting at is I like the idea of this fest because it seems a little bit more on that kind of like uh, underground death metal community tip. I have been looking into the bands I wasn't familiar with when this pe- when this fest was booked, and I'm very excited about them. I want to promote this. Uh, the Beer Racks is the name of the venue. The Beer Racks, 250 Bradley Street, East Haven, Connecticut. Uh, Friday, um, what are the, what are the little old dates here? We're talking about March, the, um, March 8th and March 9th. Thank you, Dave. March 8th. You're talking about corroded carcass, necro cunt, fucking up my algorithm here. Delta protocol, um, crimson mask, bait, lam, matrophagy and Marvel of decay. Then the ninth, you're talking about Fatal Sacrament, Long Island's own Doom Creeper, who I've had on the show. You could you could check out a whole interview I did with those guys. Cryptic Entity, uh, Necrotic Remains, Wretched Inferno, Roots of Deception, Gangren, pardon me, Gangrenous Flesh Consumption. I think I might have had some Gangrenous Coffee Consumption before I started this one. Gangrenous Flesh Consumption, and of course Blemish. Uh, Blemish. I just did a whole episode with Blemish not too long ago. You can go back and check out my interview with them. And of course Afterbirth. Fortunate enough to be headlining the day two of that. Um, that's that's the only reason I'm acknowledging any shows because I'm playing on them. No, uh, but we we appreciate of that. Course. That's at the, the Beer Racks in East Haven, Connecticut, um, March eighth and 9th, the Connecticut Death Fest. Uh, looking to make it a beautiful, um, uh, hopefully annual thing, man. It'd be great, great if they kind of kept that going. That's 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 good for like upstate New York people, New York City people, like everybody. You know, I, I looked at it, it's actually not um uh not too far. Like you you could probably hop on the ferry if you're an East Long Island person. You know what I'm saying, man? Look into it. Look at look at that old Connecticut Death Fest. Look them up. Yeah, it, it's like a 90 minute drive for me, I think. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to uh, the, the the first day. I don't think I can do. I think when my wife's like coming back from a trip that day but the second day i'm like i'm already like thinking about booking a hotel and shit so i could stay the whole time yeah i'm looking up hotels there's hotels in there you know that's like coastal connecticut there's a lot going on around there they got hotels and stuff they got if you're smart you could go to college whatever you want to do it do what you gotta uh, do yeah east haven is right on the outskirts of new haven if people are curious about you know the location and stuff like that i don't know if uh 
if New Haven is newer than East Haven or huh, huh, huh. if it's I, just a name. Like yeah. they, they used to call it like Old Haven. There's but, a uh, lot there's a lot of weird, creepy stuff that goes on with this New England and why you know they name stuff. New we New England is one of the creepier places. I always thought Long Island and New York I I don't Long New York isn't really included in New England. No. Proper, not right? Really. I think it starts with Connecticut or Yeah. Something Rhode Island maybe. I always thought that Long Island should be included because we have a lot of that weird. We have, you know, those those houses that you know, the Amityville house and all that stuff. Creepy stuff. Yeah, very very creepy. Yeah. Long Island. Yeah, Long Island. Don't get me started, buddy. Um, you don't want to come back out here. Uh, we were just talking to <laughs> it. I was talking. <laughs> I don't want to spill. Right, I'm not going to spill the whole Deli, Deli Quest interview. Um, but I, I was talking to the guys in Deli Quest. That interview is coming out soon. They know they know their Long Island culture. I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm not going to spill any beans because we had a couple of funny moments. Uh, they know more about New York and Long Island than, than I than I thought, man. Not just the music. You know what I'm saying? Um, Dave, check out that Dela Quest album. Uh, Dave, I want you, sir, to check out that Dela Quest album. Also, check out that Grotesqueries album. Uh, thanks again to Yanni. Check out all the music we spoke about. And Dave, you're not out of this um, uh, 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 grudge match headlock. I got cage match headlock. I got you reverse headlock uh, um, that I got you in. And I'm going to drop the DDT of upstate New York death metal on you every time I see you from now on. Even if it's not on the podcast. Like, we're going to be at a show, and you're going to be like, no, I will. I just, just, don't, let's not do that bit. I just want to drink a beer. I'm just going to be told. like su- suplex me with upstate death metal knowledge. That I about. I'm going to be like, I found a third Dead Speak song on the deep web. <laughs> and I'm like I'm like a, a beat child. I'm just kind of like, oh, yeah. God, please. Yeah, I got swatted, but it was worth somebody, it. Somebody call the police. Oh, God. Listen, let's wrap this up before somebody calls the police on me, man. Uh, Heavy Hole Podcast. Check us out on uh, Patreon. Patreon. Uh, we put little old clips on there. Sometimes we do the old bonus episode. Um, appreciate your support. All the money goes right into the production of this of this podcast and things that we that we need and do from time to time for the podcast. Um, Heavy Hole Podcast at gmail.com or check out the voicemail number. It should be in the description wherever you're listening to this. Leave us a voicemail or an email. Drop us a line. Check us out on social media. Tell us what you're listening to. Tell, tell us what's going on in your local scene. Tell us what happened at a show you went to. Uh, complain about something. We don't care, man. It's Heavy Hole Podcast podcast man dave thank you as always uh any parting words for the lovely people no no words <laughs> wow sorry everybody none wow dave not even one one